for that. But uh, anyway, as I was saying, we want to go through the book of Joshua. And first we need to know who was this man. He was the attendant of Moses from his youth. Uh, he served with Moses while they were still in Egypt before the Exodus. And he became the servant of Moses. We know that the Lord spoke to Moses and to Joshua directly in chapter 1. We'll see that if you want to follow along in chapter 1. We're going to start there. But uh, when the book of Joshua opens, uh, Moses had died. And God had raised up Joshua. He had prepared him for this moment to take over. And so he, he commands Joshua, be strong and courageous. And that's something that uh, we need to, uh, to be ourselves. We need to be strong and courageous serving the Lord. He tells, tells them that three times in, in chapter 1. Uh, and what it shows is that uh, the importance of obedience. Joshua obeyed the Lord. And God commands, uh, commanded Joshua to meditate on the law day and night. That's how he was able to continue to, to trust God is because he was in the word, something we also need. Um, God promised to be with Joshua all the days of his life wherever he went in the promised land. So what are some lessons for us? Well, we're not going to see that. First of all, God is training us just like he trained Joshua for ministry, to serve him, and to uh, be a part of God's plan. We are to rule and reign with Christ. That's the purpose of our training. We are going to rule with Christ someday in, in the new heavens, the new earth, and even in the millennial kingdom. God speaks to us just like he spoke to, not just like, but God speaks to us like uh, as, as he spoke to Moses and Joshua, but through his word. We are taught the word of God, and God is speaking to us through the pages of scripture. And just as Joshua had to uh, assume leadership, there's going to be a time for each of us when God's going to call on us as believers to step up. And to serve him, he has a plan for us and things for us to do. And the time is going to come in your life where you're going to need to step up as Joshua did. So be strong and courageous. Just as God commanded Joshua, he's commanding us. Be strong and courageous. Uh, because you know why? Obedience will guarantee our success. Whatever the mission is that God has for us, if we're obedient, if we're serving him and we're, we're diligent, we will have success and glorify God. And God promises to be with each one of us. You know, Jesus said, I will be with you always, even to the ends of the earth. All right, so that's lessons for us. Now, the way I organize this review is I have a, uh, I picked out a key verse from, which I consider a key verse from each chapter. I'll go through that, then we'll go through some uh, bullet points on the subject of the chapter, what it was about, and then uh, some practical lessons that we can apply in our lives. All right, so for chapter 1, I, the key verse is, is verse 9. You want to follow along. Joshua 1, 9. This is the Lord speaking. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So chapter 1 what we find is Joshua, he's, after God tells him he's taken over, Moses is dead. Uh, if you don't remember, Moses went up to the top of Mount Nebo. He'd left the congregation, and that's where he died. Uh, but Joshua instructs the people, 
and he prepares them to enter the promised land. Uh, and he points out that in, in chapter 1 that uh, 40,000 soldiers from the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh were going to cross first, all armed for battle uh, in case there's an enemy force on the, other sh- on the other side of the Jordan when they get there. They're going to be the ones to take them, take, a, take them on. And that's because they'd already received their inheritance on the east side of the Jordan. So they'd gotten there, and that was part of the uh, obligation that they were under. Uh, that one of the stipulations, Moses said, yeah, we'll give you this land on the east side, but you're going to cross first ahead of your brothers. People pledged to obey Joshua, and anyone who rebelled against Joshua was going to be put to death. That was very clear in chapter 1. So, important lessons for us. Those who have been blessed by the Lord should be ready and willing to assist others yet to receive their, their blessing, their inheritance. And that's what the, uh, the men of Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh did. They were the ones who would receive theirs, and, and they were willing. They were willing to help uh, the other tribes get their inheritance. Second thing we can learn is that we have to consider one another and through love serve one another. And that's what they were doing here. They were serving their brothers. Through, and that fulfills the law of Christ. That's Galatians 6.2. Now, that's chapter 1, chapter 2. If you're not familiar with the book, this is where Joshua sends the two spies to spy out Jericho. And what we learn from that is, in verse 11, it says, and this is Rahab speaking. This is why I wanted to point this out. When we heard, our hearts melted, and no courage remained any longer in a man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on the earth beneath. This is a Gentile woman who took the two spies in, as the story goes. And she recognizes that the God of Israel is the God, the true God. So what is uh, chapter 2 about? Well, Joshua sends out the two spies. They, we get introduced to Rahab, who takes them in, hides them as the king of uh, Jericho is searching to uh, capture them. He, uh, they, she hides them in the thatched roof of, of, her, uh, of her home. And she makes this surprising declaration, really, in verse 11 that we just read. And then the spies return after a few days. They return and report to Joshua all about Jericho and the... Uh, situation with the people. They're afraid. They're afraid because they know God is God. So the the spies declare that the Lord had already given the land into their hands. The battle was already won. All right, so what what can we take from chapter 2? Well, when sharing the gospel with someone, you never know what seeds have already been sown in that person's life. You don't. So share the gospel. Because God can use what you're providing, the information you're giving that person. The Holy Spirit can take that and convict them with it. And uh, as, as Rahab, the, the uh, woman who took in the spies, she was convinced by the evidence that God is God. And when we're, when we're uh, sharing the gospel with, with others, we don't know what, if they're going to actually believe it or not. But that's not our job to know. All we are commanded to is... Share, share God's love. And the second thing we can take from that is the battle's already won. So no matter whatever problems you're facing, you're dealing with, 
if you're trusting the Lord, the battle's already over. You've already won because he knows what you, what's best for you. He's working all things together for good. So trust him. Trust him no matter what the circumstances because the Lord is with you. All right, Joshua chapter 3. Key verse. Verse 5. Where, Joshua, where he said, Joshua, to the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow he will do the Lord among you wonders. So before God was going to do the miracles, before he was going to lead them into the land and into the battle, they needed to, to cleanse, cleanse themselves, consecrate themselves. This is the Hebrew word kadosh. Uh, it's in the Hispael imperative. So it means to set apart or be removed from common use. They were on a mission for God. And that's why they needed to consecrate themselves and respect uh, who they're who their boss is. I mean, we've all had times where we've had to uh, make extra special plans when we're doing something important. This was important. And, and so Joshua commands the people, consecrate yourselves. And the Hispael is just a reflexive, intensive, it's the PL kind of in the intensive, inflex, reflexive uh, mood. Okay. So, Chapter 3, the people prepared across the Jordan, and we all know the story. Uh, the Ark of the Covenant goes before them, and just as God parted the waters at the Red Sea when the Exodus generation left Egypt, he parts the waters of the Jordan. Now, remember, this is in the springtime where the, the river is raging, it's full from the winter uh, snow melts and stuff, and so the Ark goes before it, and as soon as the priests carrying the Ark feet touch the water, it's, it parts. They go across on dry land, although the priests stop in the middle until all the people cross over. Uh, but that's important. The Ark of the Covenant goes before, before them into the water, and the Jordan is, is a repeat of the Exodus generation going through the Red Sea. So God is still with the people. Uh, people cross on dry land. Uh, so God is with them just as he was with their uh, parents' generation when they left Egypt. God is still with them. So what can we take from that, chapter 3? Well, God leads and we follow. We don't lead. God leads. We follow. And God is more than capable of removing any obstacle. If he wants you to do something or want something, there's obstacles, there's barriers in the way, God is more than capable of removing those and dealing with those as we face them in our lives, whatever it is. So that's chapter 3. Chapter 4, and the key verse is uh, verse 14, Joshua 4, 14, where we read, On that day he exalted the Lord, Joshua, in the eyes of all Israel, and they feared him just as they feared Moses all the days of his life. And so Moses had died, uh, the people knew him, and uh, now Joshua was in charge, and, and God had raised him up, and the people respected him. And that was important because Joshua was going to be uh, the leader for them uh, all the days of his life. God had said that. Uh, and they, they feared him. They respected him, showing him respect, honor, and esteem. Okay. So chapter 4, the people cross over through the Jordan. Uh, and Israel builds two memorials uh, from the stones uh, on their way across the Jordan. 
12 of the stones they pile up in the middle of the Jordan near the Ark of the Covenant. And then uh, the other one we'll talk about later. But uh, they go through uh, the Jordan. They get on the other side and they make a, a camp at Gilgal. where That's what called the place called where they set up their operations. This was going to be their base while they uh, go through the conquest of the land. They, they set up 12 stones. The other 12 stones, the second memorial in Gilgal, and why do they do that? Well, something we can learn from is it's important to remember what God has done. It's very important for us to remember what God has done. And this, these memorials do that. They, they make you reflect on what you're seeing. Why was it built? Why, was it, why is it there? And so uh, we can all think of times in our own lives where God has stepped in. Don't forget those. God was good to you. Remember that. Thank him again. Praise him for that. He wants us uh, to be happy. He wants us to be successful. And so it's important to remember what God has done for us so we continue to trust him and increase our faith. Second reason is God wants us to teach these kinds of things that we have have experienced to our children. Uh, You know, God doesn't look at our lives as just a a section of time and that's it. No, time goes on. Generations follow. They need to know the truth about God and who he is, what he has done. And so that's what these memorials are mainly doing. They're, they're helping us to remind what, what we've experienced, but also things they are teachable things we can share with our children. All right. Now, chapter 5, verse 2 is the key verse here. And we read, At that time he said the Lord to Joshua, Make for yourselves flint knives, and again circumcise the sons of Israel the second time. Now, when I did this chapter, we had a long uh, discussion and teaching about why they did this. But bottom line was, the, the, the Exodus generation, all the men were circumcised when they left Egypt, but none of the men born in the, in the uh, wilderness had been circumcised. Now that they're in the land, uh, in accordance with the Abrahamic covenant, they have to be circumcised. And so... Uh, God was going to have them be circumcised before that first battle with Jericho. He, uh, that's part of the Abrahamic covenant. You can check it out in Genesis. Uh, we don't have time to do that now, but uh, that was the reason for uh, taking the time to circumcise the, all the men that had been born in the wilderness who hadn't been, and it's a surgery. So there's some healing time that they had to uh, do. They did this, I, I, and I didn't really uh, share this uh, when I did this chapter, but they did it on the 10th of the month of April, the first month. And then on the fifth day, they, they, did, they uh, observed the Passover. So after they were circumcised, they had a few days and they celebrated the Passover. And that was a, a redoing the, uh, remembering the Mosaic Covenant that they had done uh, when the parents came out of Egypt at Mount Sinai. So it's ne- if you're going to partake of the promises of the Abrahamic Covenant, circumcision was required. And so, chapter 5, Israel renews their covenants, both the Mosaic Covenant and the Abrahamic Covenant. And then at the uh, end of chapter 5, there's this very uh, unusual event occurs where Joshua comes face to face with the Lord. He's called the captain of the army of the Lord, the the Lord's host. So, he identifies himself as the captain of the host of the Lord. So, later on, he, he says to Joshua, take off your shoes for the ground you're standing on is holy, and that is uh, the same thing that God told Moses on Mount Sinai. So uh, 
he is the Lord, the captain of the host, he is the Lord. And what can we take from this uh, chapter and this episode? Well, God has commandments, and what he has ordained for us must be obeyed to receive his blessing. That's the first thing. Second thing is humility and obedience are important for us to be able to serve. How can we serve if we're arrogant and uh, not humble to, to, to serve? We can't. And then, as, as with Joshua, he didn't recognize God when he came to him. Are we not recognizing God in our lives? When God does things for us, are we not recognizing, yes, he's with me, he's here, he's doing this for me? Something to think about. Am I not recognizing God in my life? Are you even looking for God in your life? That's another thing. You should always be looking for God and, and calling out to him, reaching out for him. Okay, so that's from chapter 5, some lessons we can learn and apply. All right, so uh, they go over, they go up to Jericho, and uh, chapter 6, that's the battle over Jericho. Key verse is verse 2, where he, and he said, The Lord to Joshua, See, I have given into your hand Jericho with its king and valiant warriors. The battle was already done. He'd already given it to them. Okay, have to. So God gives, in verse chapter 6, God gives Jericho into Israel's hands. Instructions are given uh, for Israel. The city was under the ban, which meant that everything uh, was going to be devoted to God. They weren't to keep any of the spoil. Jericho is completely destroyed, and Rahab and her family are spared. In, its, in accordance with the instructions the uh, two spies had given her in chapter 2. So, again, from chapter 6, we can learn that God gives the victory, not us. We don't, we're just happy to be part of what God's doing. But it, God's, it's, it's all God's plan, and we should be happy uh, just to be a part of it. And so that's chapter 6. Chapter 7, this is uh, one of the two major failures uh, during Joshua's, uh, Joshua's time and the Israelites. Uh, the key verse is verse 10, and he said, The Lord to Joshua, stand up. Why have you fallen on your face? And he had fallen because he had blamed God for their defeat. And so chapter 7 is about Israel's sin. One, one man took uh, some spoil from Jericho in, uh, in disobeying God's, the, the command of being under the ban. So God was not with the army when they went up to the second city, I, to, to defeat that. They were defeated. 36 men perished. Uh, Israel's defeated. There's, and then we go through the process of how they found out this man took stuff. It's a whole process. You can read it. It's chapter 7. But Israel's sin is revealed. And God's judgment is carried out on the guilty man and his family who were complicit with it. And a heap of stones marks where the judgment took place. And so it's very, very, uh, can be distressing to find out, but... What can we learn from that? We can't hide our sin. God knows. God knows what we do. He knew from eternity past. We can't hide our sins from God. God will judge our sins, and there will be discipline. And sometimes we suffer for the sins of others. Now, 36 men perished in in the defeat. They didn't steal anything, but they suffered for the sins of others. And the question we have to ask ourselves is, am I trying to hide my sins? 
Am I trying to hide my sin from God and from others? Don't. Confess your sins. That's what the Bible makes clear. Confess your sins, and God is righteous to forgive us our sins. And so, and that's true for believers and unbelievers. All right. Chapter 8. Key verse is verse 30. Then he built Joshua an altar to the Lord, the God of Israel, on Mount Ebal. And this was uh, prescribed by Moses when they entered the land. They were, were, he, he, they were commanded to do this. And it's a great uh, remembrance of the covenant. So chapter 8. After the sin of the man stealing uh, property or valuables is, is dealt with, God's now able to lead uh, the army, lead the Israelites in battle, and, and they, they defeat... Uh, they defeat the uh, second city with a kind of a trickery uh, plan. But the plan works perfectly. God is the one who gave Joshua the plan, how to use what to do. And it's successful. Israel is allowed to take the plunder from the second city, I, uh, that they weren't allowed in the first, the first city, Jericho. And then, uh, verse 30, they have the renewal of the covenant in the promised land. So this is a, really the first ceremonial covenant renewal in the promised land that God had promised to Abraham. Chapter 9. Oh, wait a minute. Let's, uh, let's talk about what can we learn from chapter 8. Be reconciled to God. Don't hide your sin. It sounds simple, but that's, that's what we should be doing. And then, because like they did, they, they renewed their covenant, take time to honor God in your life. Take, them, take a few moments just to say, thank you, God, for all you've done for me bringing me here, providing for me, all these things. Take time to honor the Lord. Praise him for his salvation through Christ. Otherwise, we would have no access to God. All right. Chapter 9, key verse, is uh, verse 14. And the men of Israel took from their provisions in the mouth of the Lord they did not ask for. Now, this is kind of a, out of context, but th- this is a chapter where... Uh, chapter 9, where the city of, of uh, Gibeon, which was near Ai, the second city that they defeated, they pretended to be from a faraway land. They tricked the uh, Joshua and the Israelites, and the Israelites end up making a covenant to uh, protect them, which was not uh, what, what God had said, or Mo- and Moses, You're not to make treaties with the nations in the land. They didn't check it out, their story out well enough to know that these people from Gibeon were in the land. And they made, went ahead and made a, a treaty with them and took provisions from them and uh, did not ask for the Lord's guidance in making their decision to make a treaty with them. And so, very foolish. Uh, so, Israel's, in chapter 9, Israel's enemies had, had united, but the Gibeonites said, we're going to go try something different. They, it, it tricks Israel, and they sign a treaty. The deception is revealed. The Gibeonites are made slaves at the end. But uh, you know, it's a very uh, low point for Israel. And what can we learn from that is we need to seek God's wisdom when we have decisions to make. We have to know that our enemy is going to try to deceive us. We have to honor our word and keep our promises. And it's like in life, you made a big mistake. What do you do next? Well, you confess 
that mistake to God and asked his wisdom and guidance and provision to, uh, to deal with it. That's uh, basically the lesson of chapter 9. Um, the Gibeonites are made slaves, and that uh, comes back later on in the period of the Judges and Samuel to have a negative effect on Israel, but uh, that's for another day. Okay, chapter 10. This is when the uh, major conquest of the southern portion of the, nation, of the land is, it occurs in chapter 10. Uh, key verse is uh, verse 8. And he said, the Lord to Joshua, do not fear them. This is all the uh, nations or all the cities that had united against them. Uh, do not fear them, for into your hand I have given them. Not shall stand a man from them before you. They are going to be victorious, again, because God is with them. He's the one that's fighting the battle. And that's Joshua 10, verse 8. So five kings from the south attack. Before they attack Israel, they try to destroy the Gibeonites for doing what they did. A bit, you know, traitors to them and not fighting with them against Israel. But uh, Joshua, the big Gibeonites beg Joshua for help. And they honor the treaty. And, uh, and God performs three miracles in this, uh, in this chapter. Um, he confounds the army of the five kings, one. He sends large hailstones to kill many of the soldiers, more than the fighting actually killed. And this is a time when the sun stopped from setting so that Israel could continue to get the victory. So this is three miracles God performs. Uh, the five kings are, are executed, and Israel continues its conquest in the south. What can we learn from chapter 10? Stay on mission. Yeah, they made a mistake. They made a treaty and did something they shouldn't have done, but their mission was to con- conquer the land and, and wipe out these people, punish the Canaanites uh, for their sin. So stay on mission. And in our lives, don't get bogged down, don't get distracted. When God has a plan for you, a mission, stay on it. Keep doing it. Stay, stay focused. Well, number two, God also performs miracles to demonstrate his power and ensure his objectives are achieved. And you might not recognize miracles like this, stopping the sun, or giant hailstones killing your enemies, but God does perform miracles. Just got to be open to seeing them. Keep your eyes open. All right, chapter 11. Key verses, verse 15. Just as he, the Lord, commanded Moses, his servant, so he commanded Moses, Joshua. And so he... And so he did Joshua. He did not turn aside from the word that the Lord had commanded Moses. So Joshua was faithful. Now chapter 11 is the uh, uh, conquest of the northern part of the land, uh, the northern cities. And they had chariots, they had uh, weapons that the Israelites did not possess. But again, the battle is the Lord's. Joshua stayed true and obeyed the Lord and uh, the Lord gave him victory. So the kings of the north unite against Israel. The Lord reassures Joshua of victory. God's judgment on the Canaanites is fulfilled in this. Uh, when this is completed, Joshua cuts off the Anakim. These are giants in the land that the ten spies, or ten of the twelve spies that Moses had sent into the land were afraid of. And then the land had rest from war. Uh, as far as nationally, there's no more war. The enemy... Uh, is going to be defeated by each individual tribes after the uh, land is apportioned. So, 
Yeah, the remainder of the land of the fighting, all the major cities have been destroyed, the strongholds. Now it was up to the individual tribes to uh, complete the conquest by destroying the, lo- the lesser cities. And what can we learn from that? Well, the enemy will unite against us. I think that's clear. We've seen many times where uh, Christianity is opposed in our day, if you, and maybe against you individually. People gang up against you. But so be prepared for hostility, anger, resistance, and ridicule from the world. That's what we should expect from them. But in his sovereignty, God often allows a small portion of a problem to remain in our lives to test us. Just as Israel didn't completely wipe out all the pagans, people in the, in, in the land, he, he destroyed most of them, but there was still work to do, and, and God sometimes does that to test us. Are we going to stay true to him? And when you look through Israel's history, uh, well, the answer more, more often than not is no. But in your, in your personal life, there may be something that hangs around that you need to deal with and completely remove if you're going to have the blessing that God wants for you. Chapter 12. Well, let's first just want to say, because part of that was already prophesied when God said in Deuteronomy, or in Exodus chapter 23, he said, I will not drive out before you in a single year all the people, that the land may not become desolate, and the beasts of the field become too numerous for you, which would happen if there were no people living in the land, the wild beasts would become too numerous. So God said, I will drive them out before you, little by little, until you become fruitful and take possession of the land. And when I taught uh, on this, uh, you have to remember that even in David's day, which is roughly 400 years later, he has to kill a lion and a bear to protect his father's flock. So there were were lions and bears in the land at that time, even up to David's life. Okay. Now, chapter 12... uh, it's just a summary of the kings that Joshua defeats. So the key verse is really 1A. And these are the kings of the land that they defeated, the sons of Israel. I'm not going to go through that list. You can at your leisure. Uh, it starts out with the kings east of the Jordan defeated, then the kings defeated in the south, and then the north. So what can we learn from that? Well, as Pastor Dave said on September 27, 2020, we have a fight. We have a fight. Just as Israel had a fight to get, gain the land, we have a fight in our day. It's not a physical land that we're after, but a spiritual battle that, that is being fought. And we have to stand firm uh, and earnestly contend for our faith. That's Jude chapter 3, or Jude verse 3. Earnestly contend for the faith. And Philippians, Paul writes that he wants to make sure that they are standing firm in one spirit, with one soul, contending for the faith of the gospel. Are you contending for the faith of the gospel? That's what God wants from each of us, as we have opportunity. And God provides opportunities. All right, chapter 13. Now it becomes the uh, uh, division of the land. So key verses, uh, verse 7, chapter 13, verse 7. Now therefore, God commands Joshua, divide this land for an inheritance to the nine tribes and the half-tribe of Manasseh. So that's what the chapter is about division of the land, God does point out that there's still a lot of the land to be possessed. And I had shown a map that showed really the territory that Israel conquered and what was still left. And it's quite a sizable amount that was still left. 
and and that's uh, that was on them. They were going to have to deal with that tribe by tribe individually. So that's what chapter 13 is about. And so the lesson from chapter 13, if you ask God for something, he may give it to you. That sounds kind of rhetorical, but you may have to fight for it too. You may have to work hard for it. If you ask for something, God may grant it. Not because he's holding back, because he's sovereign. He can do what he wants. And what he's doing is working all things together, as I said before, for good. All right. So Jesus tells us to ask God, and we're told to to present our prayers and petitions to him. So ask God, but be prepared. He may give you something, but you may have to work for it. In chapter 14, key verse is verse 7. A son forty years was I when he sent me, Moses the servant of the Lord from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. This is Caleb speaking. He comes to Joshua for his inheritance. And I brought back to him the word as it was within my heart. So he gave a true report. People didn't like it. And so, but chapter 14 is where Caleb gets his inheritance. God bless Caleb for faithful service. And he will bless you for faithful service as well. All right, chapter 15. Well, just a quick thing on the uh, allotment of the uh, territory in, in, in the book of Joshua. The allotment to Judah was 63 verses describing that. Way more than all the other tribes. So that shows you that God's focus is on Judah. Why? Because the Messiah was going to be coming through the tribe of Judah. And so that's where the emphasis is in these uh, dispersion of the land, the allotments that each tribe received. Um, so I'll, I'll skip over a lot of that for time. Uh, the territories are outlined, but uh, we'll, we'll pick it up again in chapter 20. Chapter 20, verse 2 is the key verse. Speak to the sons of Israel, saying, Give to, give to you all the cities of refuge which I spoke to you by, by the hand of Moses. Now this is important. The uh, cities of refuge were for innocent people accused of a capital crime. They could... If you were uh, killed somebody accidentally, you could flee to one of these cities. They were required to protect you. So God con- is concerned with the innocence and due process. These are cities that uh, were pretty much equally dispersed. I had a map showing them, uh, but they were equally dispersed in the land. So it wasn't hard to get to from anywhere, any point in Israel, to get to the city as refuge. And... Uh, this is an imperative here. Where it's imperative of uh, the Hebrew verb natan, uh, to give. And so God is commanding Joshua here to give them the cities that uh, they needed. Now, what can we learn from that? Well, like I said, the leaders of, of the city of refuge had to take that person in. After they heard his case, unless they figured he, he was lying, they had to take him in. And uh, the duration of the man being there, the person being there, was until the death of the high priest. And so that's, what can we learn from that? Well, God is, like I said, concerned about justice. God wants justice to be done. He doesn't want people taking vengeance upon themselves to uh, do their own justice. That's important. We, we need to, uh, we have laws for a purpose, not, so there's no vengeance, no uh, mobs taking control. Chapter 21 
uh, key verse, verse 2. And then here's where the Levites come up to, to Joshua. And they said, And they spoke to them at Shiloh in the land of Canaan to say, The Lord commanded by the hand of Moses to give us cities to live in with their pasture lands for our cattle. Now remember, the Levites didn't get any land uh, as a tribe. Their inheritance was the Lord. But God had commanded that they be given cities that they were going to operate in. And remember, the, the, the Levites' mission was to teach the law to the other tribes. That was part of their their inheritance, of serving the Lord and teaching the law to the other tribes. And it's no coincidence that they go to Shiloh because that's where uh, the leaders would meet. That's where the tabernacle was at that time. So the priests and the Levites would be mostly congregated there already. And so the Levites ask for leaders. Their cities are allotted by clan. The sons of Aaron, who are of the Kohathites, they get their territory first, uh, the rest of the Kohathites, then the sons of Gershon, and then the sons of Merari. These are all the sons of Aaron, or sons of uh, Levi. So what do, what do we learn about that from that? Well, God is concerned about his law being and his word being taught to the people. And that's how he set it up in Israel. The Levites were positioned to teach the nation the law of Moses. So my question is now, do you understand why God has positioned you where you are in your life. Why are you here? Why are you not somewhere else? Well, God has a plan for you. What is it? Find out. Do it. Obey the Lord. Put him first. He'll guide you. He'll teach you. We all need to ask ourselves, why are we here? What are we doing? Because God has a plan for you. He put you here. He put those around you for a purpose. All right. Chapter 22, which is my favorite chapter, uh, the favorite verse is uh, verse 22, where uh, the two and a half tribes have left, uh, been dismissed by Joshua. They build a, built an altar, and uh, they respond to the charge of, of treason and uh, not following God by uh, verse 22, which I translated here and had some fun with this. Uh, God, God, Yahweh. God, God, Yahweh. He knows, and Israel itself may know, if in rebellion or if in violation upon Yahweh, do not save us this day. A very, very strange verse, strange uh, response that they have, and I don't fully uh, understand all the ramifications of it. I've got to do more study on that. It's, it's using the name of God, or the Hebrew word for God, first in the singular, then in the plural, then in the, the sacred tetragrammaton, the name God, I am, as he said to Moses on Mount Sinai. They repeat it twice, oops, twice, and uh, it's just very strange. But chapter 22 is this altar the two and a half tribes had built, had uh, riled up the other nine and a half tribes, so they were going to go to war over it, uh, thinking that they had turned, uh, turned against God. Uh, so they send a delegation, cooler heads had prevailed, they send a delegation to the two and a half tribes where... That was part of their response that, hey, we didn't do it uh, to, to sacrifice on it or use it for that purpose. It's a memorial between our two groups of, of tribes that the tribes on the west side of the Jordan don't say, hey, you're not part of Israel because you're on the other side of the Jordan. No, they, they're all one nation, and this, uh, this altar that they built was to remember that. So then the delegation returns to the land at the end, 
And the other tribes, they, they, uh, they agree. They, they are pleased to hear that the purpose was a memorial, not that they were going to use that altar uh, for religious worship and sacrifices. All right, chapter 22, what can we learn? Well, we should commend those who work hard in serving the Lord. These men had gone back to, after fighting for probably seven years on a rotation basis, but they had been fighting for their brothers, now they go home, and we should commend anyone that's working hard, like our pastor, and in serving the Lord, we should commend those who do that. Second thing, get all the facts. Now, they rushed to judgment. They didn't understand. They hadn't interrogated the other tribes before they uh, got together to, to go into battle. So get all the facts before you make decisions. Sounds pretty straightforward. Stand up for God when you're aware of wickedness. They thought the two and a half tribes had done something sinful. So they stood up to it, and they were going to try to purge it. But not knowing all the facts, they, they had to send the delegation. And the other thing is, we have to be mindful of our children and future generations that are going to come, come after us. And that's what this uh, um, altar was. It was a memorial that they, their children, their descendants, wouldn't be ostracized from Israel just because they were on the other side of the river. Chapter 23, which we did two weeks ago, uh, key verse, 23, verse 6. Be very strong, does Joshua command telling them this, the, uh, the leaders of Israel. Be very strong to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses. Do not turn aside to the right hand or the left. And see, Joshua's a very old man now at this point. It's probably roughly 20 years. If you do the math, he's probably over 100 years old. Uh, when he calls the leaders, just the leaders of the tribes to come to him, he wants to tell them, tell them some things and remind them of all that the Lord has done and to command them not to waver in their obedience to the law. So he gives, and he gives the leaders two warnings uh, along with that. So what can we learn? Well, just as Joshua, we must obey all God's calling for us. Don't turn away. If God wants you to do something, do it. Trust him. Learn from more mature believers. That's another thing we can do. There's a lot of wisdom out there in, in mature Christians. Tap into it when you have questions or problems arise. And whenever possible, I said this, on important issues like Joshua, deal with people face-to-face because it, uh, it demonstrates a much higher level of interest, care, concern for the other person if you're taking the time to speak with them face-to-face, not by a phone call, not by text, not by letter, but face-to-face. It's always better. Okay. And finally, chapter 24. And then he gathered, Joshua, verse 1, all the tribes of Israel to Shechem, and he called for the elders of Israel and for their heads and for their judges and for their officers, and they presented themselves before the Lord. So chapter 23 was just the leaders. Here it's all the people, all the tribes he gathers at uh, Shechem. And so he's even older now because this... I'm sure they didn't do it the next weekend from chapter 23. is probably maybe a year or so later. But Joshua summons all the tribes. He reminds them, the people, of all that the Lord has done for Israel. And he goes back to Abraham. Now, in chapter 23, just basically what they did in the land. Here he goes all the way back to Abraham and challenges them to serve the Lord, get rid of any idols they may have hanging around. And then the, the book concludes with 
uh, account of the death of Joshua and Eleazar the priest, the son of Aaron the priest, and Joseph's bones being buried, taken up from Egypt and buried at Shechem in uh, their family cemetery. So that's the uh, chapter 24. The, the things we can learn from the chapter 24 is that we can do anything that God asks. If God wants us to do something, he's going to provide for us. He's going to strengthen us to do it. And so we can do it, anything through God who strengthens us. Second, remember everything that the Lord has done in your life. That's important too. We need to keep remembering all that God has done for us because it strengthens our faith when another problem comes up, another test in our lives. And so the options in, the options in many decisions we have to make are to obey the Lord or to disobey. It's really that simple most of the time. So obey the Lord, obey the, the words of the, of the scriptures. They're here, here to teach us and for us to, to learn and to uh, prosper in our lives and glorify God in all that we do. And so that is, uh, that's all I have. It has been a great study. I hope everyone enjoyed it. If you want to look up those lessons that I taught more extensively on each chapter, please do. They're in the uh, archives. But uh, thank you all for, for, for being your patience. And let's, uh, I'll just close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for what you've done for us and through this study of Joshua, all the many lessons. And these are just a very small handful of, of all the things we can learn from the life of Joshua and the Israelites as they took on the challenge of, of going to uh, fulfill the promise that you gave to Abraham. We thank you that you are leading us just as you led Israel in those days. You're teaching us, helping us in all that we do. And so, Father, continue to do that. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Justin.